be in Matthew chapter 5. We are working through this Sermon on the Mount, and what a sermon it is, because this is from the greatest preacher ever. Not me tonight, but the one who originally gave this, Jesus. I mean, would you give anything to be able to set in a sermon that Jesus preached? We'd all say yes, but we have that privilege. We hear it. We have what was said there that day. And there's such depth and there's such beauty in this sermon. So we're going to pick back up where we left off. We're going to pick up in verse 27. And we're going to read down to verse 32. Here's what it says. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that any, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off, throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let, it get, let him give a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is from the lips of our Lord as He gives the sermon this day. There's truth in here. There's urgency in here. There's seriousness in these verses. And we will begin to look at them, but let's pray first. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You that we've made it here. Lord, we've looked forward to this moment all day long, even since we left on Sunday night, to be able to be here, to be able to be with your people, to be able to come to gather with a common cause, to worship you, to honor you, to learn about you. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. But Lord, let us understand the urgency that you are relaying in these verses. This is not a light matter. This is important, serious, with great consequences. So I pray that you would let us see that tonight. That you would give us understanding like we've never had understanding before. And that you would guide us into all truth in these verses. That we could please you. That we could honor you. That we could live a life that is pursuing righteousness at all costs. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We picked up last, or we talked last week, how Jesus is looking into the heart. And if you caught how this set of verses starts with, it is very familiar to where we had mentioned this last week, where he says, you have heard it said. But I say to you, and he's not changing the law, but he's expanding on the law. He's given the true meaning of the law. And it last week he talked about anger and slander and hatred in your heart. And he talks, he compares that and he parallels that with the commandment, you shall not murder as God is looking inwardly 
at the heart, not just the external or the outward actions, because it is from the heart that the external actions are derived. And tonight, in this section of verses, he does the same thing. He starts in verse 27 and he says, You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. They had heard that. That was the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. They were very familiar with that. But what he's going to do is he's going to then proceed to explain the true meaning, the true depth of that commandment and not the distorted view that that was held by the the rabbis and the scribes and the Pharisees. It had been twisted. It had been uh, watered down and it didn't have the true meaning to which it was intended. And much like last week, what is at stake here is that the the Pharisees and the scribes and the rabbis, they were holding to the belief that as long as they did not actually engage in the physical act of adultery, then all was well. That they were off the hook. Everything was just fine. Except for if you were to look in their hearts and in their souls, you would see passion and and, and lust and it would be something of immoral thoughts and and it would be evil. They were burning with lust inside their hearts, but they thought as long as they didn't actually act on the act, then they would be okay. And Jesus says, that's not how it works because you can commit adultery in your heart. Remember, we talked about this last week. They would justify themselves by what they would do. They would justify the, how they were religious by their prayers and how they dressed and, and, what they, and, and what they appeared to be like on the outside. They appeared to be righteous by giving, but their giving and their attendance in the synagogue and their dress and, and their prayers, all that was done from evil, selfish motives. And they thought, well, as long as the outside looks good, that's all that matters. And God says, it doesn't matter. That's not the only thing that matters. I'm looking at the heart. And they also thought they could justify themselves by what they didn't do. Well, I'm not going to say the words out loud. I'm not going to slander the people out loud. But in their hearts, they were slandering them all day long. They would burn with anger and rage and fury. But they thought, well, as long as we don't do that, we're okay. And God says, no, I'm looking at the heart. I know what is in man. And this is what he's going to say today in this section of Scripture on the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Outside, they may not have committed the acts, but like we said, the hearts were burning with lust, evil, impure thoughts and motives. And Jesus says that from the heart is where the true motives and the true intentions are. Arise. I want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23. It kind of gives us a, a great set of verses to really drive home that point that Jesus is trying to make about it's from the heart. And if you want to read an absolutely loaded chapter, read Mark chapter 7. He's talking about how they follow the traditions of men and not the commandments of God. Here's what Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23 says. And he was saying, that which comes out of the person, that is what defiles the person. For from within, out of the hearts of people come the evil thoughts, acts of sexual immorality, thefts, murders, acts of adultery, deeds of greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior, 
envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these can come from within and defile the person. This is what he's expanding on here in this sermon. And we see that he's claiming authority. You have heard. And how old could we take this into our society today? If we ever live in a society that is such sexually immoral, where it is everywhere all the time, I don't believe there's ever been a time in the history of humanity where the, the opportunity to have sexual immorality crammed in front of your face has ever been as high as it is right now. If you want to find it, you'll find it. It's not that hard. It's everywhere. Our society pushes it. It's on commercials. It's on ads. It is what sells. It's everywhere. And these words that he's going to tell these people here this day, they are just as prevalent to us today in the world that we live in. But what are we told? I mean, think about what we are told and what you may have heard. We are told that you can marry whoever you want because love is love. And who are you to determine what is the sexual preference from for someone? You've heard that. But God has said, it's between a man and a woman. You see, he has all authority. Some will say, just live like you want. Do what feels right to you. You may have heard that. But what does God say? See, it's, that's the comparison. You have heard, but I have said. And what authority does Jesus stand on here? Well, if we go to John chapter 12, verse 49, he says that he does not speak on his own initiative. But he was sent by the Father. And he speaks those things to which the Father has given him to speak. So he is speaking with the authority of the Father. So when he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, there is a claim to deity. And does he still speak to us today? People want to know, does God still speak to us today? He absolutely does. And he does it through the pages of his word. He's still speaking through his word. He's still speaking through the prophets. He's still speaking through the apostles. He is speaking through his word, which is God breathed. It is his revelation to us. And that is our ultimate authority. You have heard. But I have said to you. You have heard that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you in verse 28 that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, let me just say this. There are people that I've, I've heard and, and listened to arguments before and they'll say, well, well, that's good. And they'll say, if I have thought about it and lusted in my heart and it's just the same as adultery, why not go ahead and just go ahead and do the deed? I've already lusted in my heart. It's already adultery. Why not just go ahead and act upon it? But Jesus is not saying that it's just the same to think about it as it is to then think about it and do it. You're bringing more condemnation and it's a greater consequence when you think upon it and then act upon it. 
And we see that from last week. If, if you remember here in verse 22 of the previous chapter, he starts to look at this progression. And he says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. So he takes this lower court and he says, well, if you're angry with a brother in your heart, there's the lower court. And then he goes and he says, but if you say to your brother, you good for nothing, that's slander. Now you're guilty before the Supreme Court, which was the Sanhedrin. And then he says, if you take it to that level of calling a fool, which was the absolute greatest insult or one of the greatest insults and, and, and put downs that you could ever say about someone, then you would be guilty of the fiery hell. So you can see there's a, a level of an increase here. So yes, it is sinful to think in lust in your heart. You've committed adultery in your heart. But it is even worse to not only think about it, but then to act upon it. However, they're still both sins. This is what Jesus is telling these people. Can you imagine what they probably thought? These people are the same people, these Pharisees, these scribes. They're the ones who the outside is really beautiful. We were talking about how beautiful the building looks now that it's been power washed. That's what the Pharisees were. They were beautiful, sparkling on the outside, but the inside was poison and evil and dead men's bones. They were lusting probably all day long at every woman that walked by. But they thought, well, as long as I don't act upon it, my righteous standard will still be shown to everyone, except for the one who really matters, and that is the Creator. Adultery in your heart. Because out of the heart, these things arise. In verse 29 and 30 are very important, and we're going to spend the majority of our time here. So before we go back to those verses, let me explain and go over verses 31 through 32, and then we'll jump back to verse 30 and 31. We'll get out of order just a little bit. But in verse 31, it says, It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, what is he saying here? Jesus is saying, and he quotes in verse 31, where he says, whoever sends his wife away, let him give a certificate of divorce. He's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 24. And in that section is verses 1 through 4, where that thought will be taking place. And what had happened was this. This, this command, this law had been skewed by the rabbis. And here, here was what was being done in this time. They took that law, they took that from the Old Testament where it says, since his wife away, let him give a certificate of divorce. And they took that as a reason to get rid of their wives for any reason they wanted to. If they didn't have to be, it didn't have to be adultery. Jesus is going to teach, but that is uh, grounds for divorcement. But these people were taking that law that says, if you put away your wife, let's, let them have a certificate of divorce. And they were taking it to say, well, we're just unhappy with you. Here's a certificate of divorce. We're good. We didn't like the way you fixed that <laughs> bread. So hit the road. Or... There's someone a little bit more beautiful than you. And I'm covered by God as long as I give you a certificate 
of divorce. You see how skewed these people were? You have heard it said, but I say to you, this is our authority. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what our tradition says. Doesn't matter what any of that says. What matters is what God says. And this is what was going on. Divorce, 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 divorce. All over the place because they thought if they just had the legal paperwork, just handed it out, that would be okay. But he goes on to say, Jesus given the true meaning of this. You can't just divorce them for any reason you want because if you divorce for a reason that is not found within the pages of Scripture, it says that you make her commit adultery because it was, in a sense, not recognized in the eyes of God. So if that woman went to another man, it was in God's eyes like she was still married, therefore committed adultery. There's some commentary that says that if a divorce was not done justly under the standard of God, God would not acknowledge that divorce and is justly condemning them for having prostituted his wife to others. You have heard it said, but I say to you, God is claiming authority here. He's following that up. It's about adultery. He follows, he ties that in with a certificate of divorce that they had just skewed and mis, just misapplied and had distorted it all to pieces. But let's go back and really look at verses 29 and 30. Let's read them. And they seem radical. You read them, they seem radical. Can you imagine these people hearing this from Jesus this day? He's just said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then you see the level of urgency really rise in verse 29. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out, throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It seems pretty radical, doesn't it? Let me ease everyone's mind that Jesus is not, he is not advocating for self-mutilation of your body. This is not what he's saying here. He is talking in a hyperbolic state. He's talking in hyperbole. And what he wants to express here is the seriousness of the temptation that is around us for this sexual immorality and temptation. And what he is showing here is he is using this hyperbolic language to show the seriousness of the matter and the lengths that we are to go to avoid this at all costs. And it's amazing or it's interesting to me that he starts out with the eye. Because that's where it begins. It rises from the heart. But then what happens? It starts with a glance. We look and there's images everywhere. It starts with a look and it progresses from there. And we look in the Old Testament and we think about the story of David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Do you remember how that whole thing started? 
David is up on the top of his roof and he happens to catch a look at Bathsheba. Started with a look. And then what happened? It progressed. And the lust began to increase. And what was started with a look spread quickly in the heart until it was acted upon. Y'all remember that song from a kid, don't you? Oh, be careful, little eye, what you see. It's everywhere, isn't it? So what do we do? He's telling us that we are to do whatever it takes to run from it, to flee from it. So often we think that we are strong and that we are tough. And we can just, we're so sanctified that we can just, we can stand right in the face of this and we'll be okay. Except for, we'll read here in a little bit. Do you know what we find over and over and over in Scripture? He doesn't say run or stand there and go toe-to-toe with it. He says, flee. Run. If your right eye or if your eye is causing you to stumble, do everything you can. Starts with a glance. He goes, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body from your whole, for your whole body to be thrown into hell. He goes on to verse 30. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off. Throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than from your whole body to go into hell. I'm reminded when we were in Romans chapter 6, we find this in verse 12 and 13. Paul is talking in this section how we are dead to sin and we are alive to Christ. We're slaves to righteousness, no longer slaves to sin. And he makes this interesting comment in this verse. In Romans chapter 6. In verse 12, he says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. That's talking to us. You and me, do not let sin reign. And what does he go on to say? So that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting the members of your bodies to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. If you remember when we discussed what the the members of our body was, that is our eyes, that is our ears, that is our lips, that is our mind, that is our hand. That's everything that we have. We are to present it to God as members of righteousness. We wake up every morning and we have the choice. We are going to present our body and its members to those things that are unrighteous or we're going to submit ourselves to those things that are righteous. And when we... Like he says here, if your eye, if we give our eyes unto the unrighteous, do not be surprised when you stumble and you fall. When you give your ears to those things, don't be surprised. 
It is an active thing that we are to do. It is a constant battle. It is a daily thing because we are bombarded with it every day, everywhere, all around. And we are not commanded to sit there. We are commanded to run. Run. Flee from it. He tells us it's better to have no eyes than to have eyes and present them as members of unrighteousness. There's urgency here and there's seriousness here. Let us present our members to God as members and instruments of, un- of righteousness, not unrighteousness. Look at these verses that he tells us to flee. All but the last two are from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Flee immorality. For every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? For you have from God and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. If we had that verse in front of our face all day long, I bet it would change what we do. We sit here and we talk about God, the Holy Spirit. We talk about how he regenerates us. We talk about how he seals us. We talk about how he leads us. He guides us. And here it says that he dwells in us. Remember that in the temple in the Old Testament, that is where the presence of God dwelt. And if you wanted to experience the presence of God, you went to the temple. And now our bodies are temples to which God dwells. He says you're not your own. And then here comes the question of all questions to the Christian. If you are a Christian, you have been redeemed. You've been purchased. And what are we supposed to do with this body that's not ours, that's been purchased by the precious blood of Christ? What are we to do? Therefore, glorify God in your body. Eyes, hands, mind, ears. Everything is to glorify God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-5. through You've heard me mention this before. So many times we pray, God, what is your will in my life? Anybody ever prayed that? What is, my, what is your will for my life? Well, we may not know every single detail, but we do know what one of God's will for your life is, and that is sanctification. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-5. through 5, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. This is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. And he says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, 
faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's not cowardice to run. That's growing in sanctification. Timothy, flee. Run. If there's even a hint of it, you run. Get out of there. Close your eyes. Move away as fast as you can. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Psalm 103 or 101 verse 3 says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. The psalmist says that I will set no worthless, some translations, wicked, impure things before my eyes. And Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying and he comes back there and he sees his disciples sleeping. What does he tell them? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The consequences of sin and lust and immorality and adultery are severe and they must be dealt with accordingly. So how do we do this? Let's think this thing logically through. He says, I'd rather you have no eyes, pluck them out, than for you to look upon the things that will bring war upon your soul. I'd rather you have no hands than you offer your hands as members of unrighteousness. So how do we do this? How do we follow this? And what do we look on? What do we think on? Well, my mind goes to the book of Psalms. And it says this. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. Your word have I set in my heart that I may not sin against God. And how do you put it in your heart? And how do you set it in your heart? Your eyes have to behold it. Do you know how hard it is to engage in those activities, in those thoughts, and to look at those wicked things when your eyes are on the holy words of God? This is why we are called to be in His Word all day long. Meditate upon His Word. Read His Word. Put His Word in front of your eyes. And if you're driving, don't. Don't do that. Put His Word in your ears. And then go home and read it again. You see, you can present your members of your body for righteousness or unrighteousness, and that is what you choose every day when you wake up. Let our eyes be here. Remember what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. He says this in verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. He tells us to flee. He tells us to flee. He tells us to guard our eyes, guard our hearts, guard our hands, guard our members. It is a constant battle. It is a war, but we have victory in Christ. We are to do whatever is necessary with all urgency to not be put into sexual temptation. Let it be put before our eyes. Let us be in places where that's a possibility. That includes what we watch on TV. It's everywhere, isn't it? Tell me where it's not. And I can already hear it because, I listen, I know my heart too. Maybe you're thinking something like this. If I didn't watch everything that was questionable, what would I do with all my time? I'm glad you asked. Because I want to answer that for myself as well. What, what could we do? Where could we turn? What could we put before our eyes? What He's commanded us to do all along. His Word. To read it. To meditate on it all day long. That's what we're called to do. And I'm standing here today to tell you that we have all failed in this. I don't read like I should. We justify while we watch things. We justify while we listen to things. We, we justify it all day long. And maybe me, and maybe you, will be more consistent and hear His words If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. And if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. We live in a time where this is of the utmost importance and significance. And let us take it seriously here. God knows the heart, He knows the mind. He knows our innermost person. He is devastating them with these verses. You have heard it said, but I say to you, he who commits adultery, it's sin, don't do it. But if you look after a woman with lust, you committed adultery in your heart. Let us desire to be holy and righteous before God. And here's the challenge we're left with today. Starts with me, works its way back. Do you believe that there's seriousness and urgency in these verses today? I do. Will you do anything? 
Would you do it at all costs to not stumble and fall? He tells us what to do. And I'll end with this. He talks about removing the eye. He talks about cutting off the hand in a hyperbolic meaning. But you know what he's getting at? That these things down here are not worth, not worth the eternal. Never has, never will be. And I think there's one way that we end this. is to describe what he's meaning and give us something to think about as we leave this place. At all costs, do what we can to not be tempted, to not put it in front of us, because it is better. It is better to enter heaven blind and lame than it is to see and run as fast as you can into hell. I'd rather limp and I'd rather be blind and be with him forever than to be able to run and see straight to hell. You have heard it said, but I say to you, let us pray. Father, we hear the urgency in these verses. We hear the seriousness in these verses. And Lord, we pray that you would begin to move in our souls. Lord, convict us where we need convicting. And Lord, let us understand what you are telling us here. That we are to be on alert, on guard. And Lord, that we are to offer ourselves to you every day. That is our worship. That is our sacrifice. Father, let us understand the consequence of this. Let us understand the sin that is involved. Let us understand the war that is in view here. Father, we thank you that you've provided a way. Lord, the way is right before us. It's in your holy word. It is through the help of the Holy Spirit as we seek to honor you in all that we do. Lord, we live in a world where it is all around us. And Lord, we live in a world where evil is called good. And those who are not sexually immoral before marriage, and they're considered outcasts. They're considered the minority. They're considered odd to the world. But you have said that that is truth and that is right. Lord, as we go into this world that hates you, that hates your word, that thinks they can do whatever they want, Lord, let us stand bold, let us stand firm, and let us know that we are surrounded by temptation. And guard our hearts as we lean upon you. And Father, let us understand 
we have to limp and if we have to be blind to not sin against you, then so be it. We thank you for these words and we pray that you change our souls. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.